Oscar Combs here, and I want to put one rumor to rest, once and for all. The story is that Rafferty's goes all out for sports fans. And let me tell you, it's absolutely true. Confirmed. And fans love Rafferty's right back because the food is so terrific. Serve fresh, serve fast, serve friendly, lunch or dinner. Rafferty's menu is jam-packed with all your favorites. Steaks, prime rib, chicken, ribs, delicious dishes and generous sizes that really satisfy the appetite. So come hang with the sports crowd at Rafferty's. It's the tastiest place in town. In this episode of Conversations with Oscar Combs, Oscar sits down with Phil Greer. From the mountains of eastern Kentucky, Phil found his way to the University of Kentucky to play football for Coach Charlie Bradshaw. We'll hear about Phil's experiences growing up in eastern Kentucky and how a previous guest of Oscar's recruited Phil to play basketball. Phil will also discuss his struggles being a student athlete in high school, his arrival to Lexington, and how the University of Kentucky broke down barriers but was soon followed by tragedy to the Kentucky football program. There's some good stuff in here from Phil and Oscar, including some Lexington High School football history and one of the most unbelievable officiating stories that involved two SEC schools. And why does Phil Greer hate sports writers? You're going to find that out too. And what were the events that led up to Phil opening up one of Lexington's most popular restaurants? I'll go ahead and say thank you, Phil, for opening up that restaurant. I'm Bo Robinson, and this is Conversations with Oscar Combs and his guest, Phil Greer. Phil, you're an old hillbilly from the mountains. They say you're from Jenkins, Kentucky, but it's really Burdine. Where's Burdine? Oh, Burdine is um, about... uh, uh, Three miles north of Jenkins. It's right next to what they call East Jenkins. So I was, uh, it's in Jenkins, but the Burdine was always on the program when when, uh, when I was playing. Of course, Burdine and Jenkins both is in Letcher County. Correct. What was it like growing up in, in the hills up there? <laughs> it was wonderful. It was great. I, I um, you know, I hear a lot of, you know, people say, well, you where you came from and all this hype, but I, I think I probably was the happiest kid ever was. I, you know, we uh, we were certainly uh, very poor, but we didn't really know that till we got down here and looked around and saw what what everybody had and so on. But uh, I was poor, but everybody else was poor too. There wasn't a class system in Eastern Kentucky. You didn't have a bunch of rich people and poor people and middle class. You know, it's just everybody had the same. My dad uh, uh, worked with the coal mines, and almost everybody got made the same amount of wages, and and we all had about the same amount. So I don't think money ever come into our being. You know, we never really had any issue with not with being poor. Other than sports, any particular recreation? Well, we all had a garden on the side of the hill, you know, and kind of so. and two outhouses. <laughs> <laughs> You had two? Yeah. <laughs> you must have really been rich. <laughs> and a lot of good Sears robot catalogs, too. Yeah, well. Large family, small family? I had a brother and a sister, my, you know. Uh, younger, older? My brother was younger. He he uh, he came to Kentucky, played football when he, in his, uh, my, when I was a senior, I think he was a freshman. You were the multi-sport guy, too. Who, me? Yes. Oh, 
Well, yeah, I played. Uh, I ran track and basketball and football and everything that let me do. It, it, was, it was during a time when kids grew up, they always wanted to come to Kentucky. Uh, you played, excelled in basketball as well as football. Adolph Rupp interested in you at any time? <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, uh, I can remember, you know, I was having pretty good football seasons up there, and I, it's my, I think it was my senior year, and Umzi Essam showed up at a football game, and, you know, he was uh, – Was he up. the unofficial recruiter? I don't know. He never did tell me what his position was, but I've talked to him since then, and, and – uh, he just uh, – he really won't divulge what he saw. <laughs> <laughs> well, how did that go down? It went pretty good. I was playing football, and I didn't – you know, I never really gave a lot of thought to uh, basketball. We had a really good basketball team, and and, um, and we I had a bunch of scholarships from basketball. And, and But, you know, my dad was an absolute nut about football, and that's sort of – swing you know you know they they uh when i got to kentucky after my freshman year uh coach rupp sent uh coach rupp sent um a trainer over there and uh said uh, he wanted to talk to you and he wants you to come out for basketball and i said you know really and so um uh that happened about two or three times he sent someone over there and I had no one to talk to to counsel me. It was a, it was a terrible mistake that I made in my life, and I made a lot of them. But, uh, but uh, that would have put me on Rupp's runs, and you know it had been a, really a, had been a great opportunity. And I was I've always regretted that. And uh, but here I was, 17 years old. I just had had uh, had uh, I, I was mostly cannon fodder on the freshman team and with Charlie Bradshaw, and so. Uh, I, uh, I was, I wasn't in a whole lot of good shape to get ready to go back out and start practicing again the next day. But, but if I'd have had someone I could confide in, I believe I could, I would have probably been smart enough to figure it out then. When, when you came to were you actually recruited by two different coaches? Cause you came in Bradshaw's first year, but you obviously would have been recruited <clears throat> the year before. Was Blanton Collier recruiting you any at all or any of his assistants? No. Actually, it was Bradshaw's second year when I when I got there. So he'd actually been there. And and, um, and he had – it was uh, – so it was actually Bradshaw's uh, assistant coaches. Yeah. So Chink well, Single was one of them. Who else, who else did – what other schools did you look at before you decided Kentucky? Did you make any official visit? If it visits in, or were there even such a thing as official visits? Um, no, there, there really wasn't any official uh, visits, uh, but I visited, uh, you know, I, I, I looked at Tennessee, and and um, uh, I was offered, I think, uh, uh, University of Virginia and, and uh, VPI. Uh, actually, the one, the one that really came after me hardest was uh, – was Indiana and I, I, they saved a, they had thirty three scholarships I think they told me, and they saved the last one until I signed and uh, and um, that would have been I would have been playing the same year at quarterback as Harry Gonzo and I actually played against him you know at, at, up there we they stole the game from us and how did that happen? 
what the game? Yeah. Oh, they, they. Uh, it, you go back and get the game film, and you'll see that you know I was a cornerback, defensive cornerback, and I and I was the fastest guy on the team probably, and Alpha Neff was the other corner, and he was probably the next fastest right in there, and so and we both were on the kickoff, and I was on. I was the wide out on one side, and he was the wide out on, on the other side. And we we were sprinters, and we sprinted down and closed on the ball and all that. But we kicked off to him, and um, we kicked off to him. And 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 Fanef and I are probably on the, about the 15 yard line, and the ball takes a bounce and goes up in the air, and the guy's going to catch it. And I saw Fanef coming hard to my, you know, and out of my corner of my eye so I went ahead and ran through the guy that was going to try to catch it and um and he 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 muffed it when I hit him and um and the instead of calling a touchdown uh, Al, Al got on the ball and instead of calling a touchdown they called a safety and and get the ball out on 20 yard line it was a bad call he just took the game and that was a that was seven more points we only lost by what two or three I think but um Let's go back to your childhood. Some uh, growing up, um, did uh, you play all your games in East Kentucky? Did you venture out into Central Kentucky and play any of your football games? Um, I think we we played at Barstown St. Joe when they had um, they had uh, Jeff Van Note, who turned out to be one of my best friends, and and we played uh, down there. We. Um, not really uh can't really think of any anything too far away you know we played in eastern kentucky cumberland and whitesburg and hazard and, uh who we who we beat by the way who ha- you beat ha- hazard. on the rock pile <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> <laughs> when you came to kentucky was it an eye-awakening event i mean growing up in east did, did you spend any of your childhood taking vacations out, or were you just basically in the mountains until you went to college? Well, my dad took me to um, see Ted Williams play in a baseball game. That was his favorite baseball player. We we drove up there in an old car and all the way to Baltimore to see him play. That's the closest place, and Ted Williams came in there and played. And that, that, I remember that trip. And the thing I remember was these big, long Sandwiches, as they call subways, <laughs> <laughs> which would later uh, oh, affect you great. in another way later oh, yeah. in your life. <laughs> Changed my life, I tell you, that's exactly right. And, uh, so, uh, and we used to take vacations to uh, Lake Cumberland, and you know, uh, we'd, we'd hang around there. So that's about all I. That's about as far as I got until. Well, I, now there, there's a story that circulated for years <laughs> in Central Kentucky. Uh, some of it come from your friend, and my late friend, your late friend, Roy Walton, <laughs> who you worked with for for a few years too. Is, is it really true that when you came to Lexington, uh, you took the bus lines here and all your clothes <laughs> in a shopping bag? Yeah, that was uh, that was uh, well. I had a shopping bag and I had all of my blue jeans and t-shirts in there and. All both of them, and I hitchhiked down here. Uh, that time they're talking about, I, I hitchhiked and I, 
I got over on Midland Avenue. Was the first I came right down through Midland Avenue and and got to Main Street, and then walked. Got I had to get out there, and I walked uh, out Rose Street all the way to Kitten Lodge. Your your high school days, your teenage year, um, legend has it you were a big country music fan. <laughs> Everybody was. <laughs> what was your favorite favorite artist? Patsy Cline. I can remember where I was and uh, Jenkins when she died on it came over on the radio. I was sitting in the parking lot at Pax Drive In one night and I think uh, and it came over the radio that she had died in a plane crash. So that was pretty tough. <laughs> you, you, you're down here at Kentucky. Tell me a little bit about when you first got here. You know, this was a second year of the Charlie Bradshaw era. I think you said <clears throat> what you said. And uh, a lot was going on here, the infamous Thin 30. So you was you come down a year after that started. Uh, what was it like? Uh, what do you remember, good and bad, from that? Well, um, I th- it was kind of, uh, it, was a, it was pretty vicious. Uh, uh, and, it, and it was really, really tough. Uh, and, uh, but you know, I got a free education and I, I, it didn't bother me. And, and I think, I think what, um, what got me through, I think, uh, was the fact that I was 195 pounds and I was fast and, and I, I was slim, slim. And, and you take some of the guys like George Katzenbach and, and some of those big guys and Sam Ball and and all those kind of fellas, uh, they and that temperature gets out there at 95 and you're running sprints. You know, I can. It's a little bit easier on me now. The physical part when you're you're hitting and knocking, that's that's that, that's a lot of difference. But they ran your brains out now out there. Was it overdone? Overdone? Yeah. Well, you know, I ended up coaching. I don't think I ever did anything that severe. I don't think as a coach, um, but uh, how did that how did that affect you becoming a coach? Well, <clears throat> I tell you one thing they taught me. I think that if you're a, if you're going to play sports, you need to get to the limit. And sometimes you'll you'll be surprised. One day you'll wake up and you say, "I, I did that." You know, that guy can't run me off. You know, I run I ran forty forties and or 25 40s and whatever i you know and, and i i took all they could dish out you know and, and i think it uh it gave you some confidence um i don't um i don't know that it uh it i don't know that it makes you any better player it might give you more grit you know and but i don't think it uh it it's a it's it's tough and we probably lost a lot of great players that could have turned the program around a little quicker, but um, in, in in the midst of your four years here, your second year, in fact, you were the youngest veteran on the team that just turned eighteen years old. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's true. I, I was. Uh, they started me out about five year old, and they supposed to wait a year or two, I think, up in the mountains. And, they, and mom and papa said, "Get out of here. Get out of here." That's right. And, and so, uh, but uh, but you know, I, I was socially immature um i had a 
I had a hearing problem that knew about, no one knew about, you know, and it, I, I couldn't I, I, I couldn't read fast. I, I didn't have, I couldn't sound out words and so on. And, and um, it was water on the ears. And the reason I, I found it out, you know, I had my both, all my children all had that and they had to have these tubes put in their ears. And then my grandchildren, the same thing, I guess. It, and so I finally figured it out through all the years going back. You know, I couldn't hear. And um, and I, I, it didn't clear up till about a senior in high school. And it, I, I didn't really learn to read real well until I was about a junior in college. But it was a real real problem. And uh, But, um, you know, I, I recovered it. I'm still a slow reader, and I'm a terrible spe- speller. <laughs> But, you can count money, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope. <laughs> in, in, in the midst of all of this, the university's athletic program, football program, was integrated. Right. Yeah, Tell me right. a little bit about that. Well, um, just so happens, in that, you know, Nat um, was um, a defensive back. They put him in defensive back, you know, and um, – and, uh, uh, he went through the drills just like the rest of us, and we didn't. I don't. I don't know. I think probably uh, he didn't really. Um, he didn't really. Uh, he he didn't really run around with 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 uh, the guys. I think Greg was his best friend, and they kind of hung out together. And I think if we kind of had had a little bit of more social get-together type thing, I think it would have probably been better for, for him. And I think if he had I think if he had played at a glamorous position where like a running back or something and really hit hit a big splash. But, you know, you defensive backs, you know, it's not very glamorous. And you, it's a work position. And you're, and you're just – Alf and F was the other cornerback along with me. We were both six foot two, 195 pounds, and we were both fast, but – we're playing linebacker. They didn't throw the ball in the SEC like they did that they do now. And we, you know, we when when start, play started coming around the corner, we just want to contain. We're the guys that came up there and 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 tackled them on the line of scrimmage. How much did the tragic death of Greg Page, the injury there on the football field, affected Nat? Do you think? Oh golly, he. We played what Ole Miss that day, that afternoon when he died, and uh, that he. Uh, oh, I know it bothered him. I know it bothered him, and um, and there were only two black players there at the time, and it was kind of hard. Uh, uh, you know, we had next year you had Houston, and 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 uh, and that bunch, and that helped a lot. But uh, but he left after that in that that first game. He only played fourth or four minutes, but he broke the color barrier, and that was pretty historic. Uh, the '65 season got off to such a marvelous start. At one point, you were six and two, mm-hmm. and if I remember correctly, the Gator Bowl people mm-hmm. said, "We'll take you today if you'll commit." Mm-hmm. And we were getting ready to go to Houston, play Houston, yeah. and the Cotton Bowl said, "Hey, you come down here and win, you're in the Cotton Bowl." Mm-hmm. Is that correct? That's correct. That's close to correct. I, uh, the Cotton Bowl offered us, if um, 
I think the way I remember it, the cotton bow said, um, if you take the game before, I mean, we'll give you the cotton bow if you take before the game. And the sugar bowl said, if you win, we'll do that. Okay. I, th- I think that's what it have been what it was. Okay. And so everybody apparently uh, uh, said, uh, we're going to sugar bowl. Well, when you say everybody, <laughs> was that players and coach or, or the coach overriding the players or what? No, I don't. I don't. Uh, I think maybe it was a everybody the player. I think everybody was on tune. Yeah. And then take us to the Astrodome, the Houston game. I think Kentucky was already behind when Norton had his injury, but it was early enough. Oh, it was in the first half, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm, I can't remember that. <laughs> I, I can't remember that much about it. Uh, you know, we had Don Danko that went down in that game. Right. And uh, he, he, that was a tragic deal. You know, the Norton thing, you see, uh, we had nobody to go to take his place. You know, we had uh, – uh, that was another regret that I had, that I had uh, – had moved me out of quarterback. Yeah, and, after your freshman year. Yeah, and they – and uh, – and, uh, and I played uh, everything from defensive end to cornerback, and I, I even had did running back a lot. And 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 uh, when when they that was when that was my destiny, and I blew it. <laughs> you uh, you ever look back and say everything might have turned out different if you'd beaten Houston and got in the Sugar Bowl? If we had, or was Charlie already ticketed to? No. Right. Oh, we it, listen. We had things going. We had it. We had it going up up until the end. Uh, the um, uh, the sh- the Sugar Bowl uh, was in our sights, and we had uh, we had a great football team. And without Norton was what he said. Still after that knee injury, he's still a second pick in the draft. I mean, he was the best quarterback in the country at the time. He had some, he had well, some listen, pretty good talent. Well, let on me that team. Let, let me tell you, we had Calvin Withrow at the center, and he played forever in the pros. We had Doug Davis played for Vikings at tackle. Uh, Sam Ball played the other tackle. He played for the Colts. The tight end was Rick Kestner, who was the Baltimore Colts. Bob Windsor was the weak wideout, uh, and uh, we, he had Larry Seipel as a swing guy. And Roger Bird. I mean, our offense was who's who in in football, and and. Uh, and I don't, uh, you know, those guys were were older than me, but uh, but and 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 uh, but I, I mean, you know, I, I felt like that we was going to win it all. I just, you know, I thought we was going to win it all, but uh, we didn't. Um, when we can, when 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 everybody got back, and got, got off that bus, and Norton and and Danko and the, uh, were two of our two great Danko's middle linebacker and. We had two great players hurt in the same game. So that's that sealed it. When did you realize or feel like that Charlie's days were numbered? Well, and he got he got fired in his seventh year. And um and um um I um it was my last, my you know, it was my fifth year. You know, I'd been there five years and redshirted and stayed there five years. And, and did you redshirt your first year, or was it? No, I got a broken jaw. Uh, I think it's between my sophomore and junior year, okay. something like that. I got, and so, um, but um, 
But uh, I think I think that um, uh, that football team we when we lost when we lost down there in in Houston and got all those guys hurt. It 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 put a stop to our destiny, and 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 I and I think that uh, I think that uh, Rick Norton was good enough to to have turned that around. Now you know what you you know who wins Super Bowls as quarterbacks. You know Rick Norton was better. He was a better thrower than those guys. Passer, I should have said passer. He 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 could he could knock your eye out with the ball. He's just amazing. How bittersweet was it when your senior year turns out that is Bradshaw's last year? Uh, did you leave Kentucky with bitter feelings, or <laughs> I mean, well, <clears throat> funny you should ask that. <laughs> I go into. Uh, I'll tell you this little story. I, uh, Harry Lancaster was athletic director, and. Uh, and I was never had any, you know, I never had any money. And we had this little problem every year that they'd give all the, all the jerseys seemed to disappear. These kids would go in that sports center and those buses and all that stuff, and they'd take the jerseys out of our bags. And, and um, so, uh, so uh, I go in and I, I take my jersey and I put it down in my helmet because I'm broke and I'm trying to get, I got to get home for Christmas, you know, and, and need, I need my laundry money. And well, you got that $15. Well, uh, Harry used to take the last two months and put them together so he'd cover anything that you don't have, like books and things. And so I go in and he got a note and took, he took my 30 bucks, you know. And I said, what are you talking about? I, my, my jersey was in there. I know it's there. I put it down in the helmet and everything. So he oh, said, he no. took your, he took the money. He for took the my jersey. money. So, so, um, so it, uh, so I had to hitchhike home again, you know, and I, and and um, hitchhike down, hitchhike yeah, back. But 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 I had a car. <laughs> I just didn't have any gas. One <laughs> <laughs> well, most guys I know in the mountains I had learned how to siphon gas by the yeah. time they were fifteen yeah. years old. Yeah, but I tell you what, I I didn't want to go to jail. <laughs> um. Anyway, but uh why your your five years here? Who's the best team you faced, opponent? I think probably uh, the best team we probably played might have been that Missouri team um, with Mel Gray and that bunch I was telling you about, uh, and we beat them. And then two weeks later, I think we beat the earthquake injured in Oregon State. Remember when that, uh, that that bunch came in here and we beat them too? That was my last year. And but uh, both of them were ranked teams. I don't. I think Missouri might have been four or five in the country, and um, that's where I learned to dislike sports writers. And <laughs> well, you know, you just think a, you, you take a young guy. I mean, I'm a young guy, but then I was a I was a uh, fifth year guy, but. But they, all of a sudden, one you know Sunday, I'm this next our next game. I'm playing against Mel Gray, and I'm a cornerback, and he's a wideout, you know. And and um, and w- the way we set it up, we play a lot of man defense against them, and we play a little bit of zone. But he, I'm running. I'm going to be face to face with uh, 
a guy that ends up playing pros forever, you know, and he's a great player. And uh, we get in that we get in that ball game, or we're going into that game. I can't even sleep, you know. I'm I'm ex that's excited to get a chance to play this guy. You know, he's a wonderful, great player. So, uh, you know, I'm working my tail off all week, man. I can't you know I can't sleep, and and we go we go play them, and we're playing them tough. And Mel's the main he's the main uh, scorer. So um, uh, I got him man to man, and I'm running with him stride for stride. And, and, um, and, you know, I, I just have a great game. They score one time on the other side. We go into a zone defense, and they go on the other side of the field. And he runs a streak down the other sideline. And so the cornerback over there, when it sprinted out to the, away from me, the cornerback come up in this zone defense and leveled off in the flat, and the safety goes over and takes that one-third of the field behind him. Well, the backside two-thirds is, is mine. And I'm 50 yards away, but I'm, 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 I'm going deep. And he catches the ball, and, and miraculously I catch him. I got the angle, but I catch him. And as he crossed the goal line, I hit him and up, knock him up into the cheap seats. The ball flies up, but touchdown, you know. Touchdown. So uh, that's not my territory. So, but I almost got him anyway. So, but anyway, I go home and I'm uh, I'm can't sleep again now. I won't can't wait to get up and read that paper tomorrow because we upset number fourteen or whatever it was, maybe three, four, five, and uh, and we have that <clears throat> that uh, uh, great game. So I, I next morning I pick up the newspaper and. And the bold print, the black, big black print says, Gray beats Greer, Kentucky upsets Mizzou. <laughs> 12 to 6, if I remember. <laughs> oh, Lee, you talk about man. I was a man. I've talked. So I'm calling the newspaper and trying to find out who wrote that article because it didn't have a name under it. You know, and, well, was it the article or the headline that got you? Oh, it's the headline, of course. <laughs> hey, but I want to know who who did it. Right. So I'm I'm told, I'm crazy mad. I'm out and nobody loan up to it down there. They won't say who who was the, was the not person. much has changed over the years. That's has exactly it? right, boy. I tell you what, but but. Um, and that was my uh, – that's the, what, the day that I dislike – learned to dislike sports writers. <laughs> Not all of them, though. <laughs> was Mel Gray the best player you ever <clears throat> competed against? I think he was. You know, uh, he's the best athlete maybe. But, the, you know, that daggone earthquake injured, uh, I must have – he must have drove my head about – three inches back down in my shoulders. That's how many times I had to tackle him. He was he was bad news to hit. Um, but uh, you know, we had we had some great players all through those years. Uh uh Tennessee and and, and I, Tennessee, I gave up two touchdown passes really in my life and one of them was Richmond Flowers and and um, Tennessee. At Tennessee, yeah. And the other one was uh, the next year uh um, heck, forgot his name. But um, anyway, that's, those are the things you remember. Best coach you ever played against? Charlie McClinton. LSU. LSU. He was the best. I, of course, I really liked him. He was from Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> he had those uh, 
Chinese bandits. Chinese bandits, white gold team, white team. Yeah, yeah. and he was uh, he was uh, he was a great uh, great player. What, what what was your most memorable moment moment as a Wildcat player? As a player? As a player. I think I almost scored on an interception. I think that probably against Georgia. Uh, uh, I almost took it back coast to coast, and and uh, but that I think that was uh, you didn't trip over the goal line, did you? No, I could have though. <laughs> I've been known to do worse things probably, but uh, but uh, that was one of my great my best memories. <laughs> what do you remember most about Charlie Bradshaw? <laughs> you know, <clears throat> years after, I'd say about three or four years before he died maybe five or six years before it, I was putting on a little deal for Coach Walton out at Taste Creek. And I was calling up all the coaches at UK that that uh, that were there while he was coaching at either Taste Creek or Lafayette. And so I called, I called them all, you know, all up, and one of them was Charlie. And I called up Charlie, and we talked for a long time on the, on the telephone. And I said, uh, you know, and I didn't bring up, any of the issues or something. We were just chatting and having a, having a nice talk. And, and I said, uh, Coach, I said, uh, what did we do wrong? And, uh, and he said, well, Phil, he says, I think what we did <clears throat> was right. He said, uh, I just don't think I gave him a chance to love me first. And, you know, I kind of thought about that a lot. You know, a lot of coaches – out there can do things to a lot of players. It would be, you, you can see it that you know they can beat them up and run them around and all that. But <clears throat> the way you you don't get away with it unless you love the players and they know it. And I think uh, I think that's what probably what I remember most about him. Did that come back to have a, a special flight when you started coaching at high school? Well, yeah, I think um, I think I always tried to. Uh, I always tried to to uh, make my players feel like I really, you know, believed in them and liked them. And um, but uh, you know, I I never did do anything. I I never was a, a, a knock them down type guy. I just roughing them up. I did. I, I, I never did think that worked for me. So I never did do it. But I think in in Charlie's. Uh, Charlie regretted that he he didn't have a relationship with the players. <clears throat> he just come in here with uh, both barrels blasting, and uh, you know they said, "What the heck? What's going on here?" You know, and no, everybody turned on him. You leave UK. What's your next step in your career? <laughs> the next part of my life, you know. Well, you know, <clears throat> I uh, I was a second lieutenant. I went through ROTC and. They paid me fifty bucks a month or something like that, and and um, and um, and uh, but and I was I was on my way to Vietnam, and then I I signed a a contract uh, with the Hamilton Tiger Cats uh, of uh, Canada Canadian League. <clears throat> I wasn't going I couldn't go in the draft I couldn't go in the draft because um, um, I, I'm going to I'm I'm going to uh, Vietnam. I, that's just the way it was. And then I started having this this little problem with my ankle, 
And they started, and they went in there and cut on me again. And then I had about two more operations, so they wouldn't. They they got tired of paying the bills, so they put me in the retired reserve. So I missed I missed the army, and then I missed uh, I missed playing football in in uh, Canadian League. So. And you went on. I went on. I I uh, went on, got a job t- teaching over there with Coach Walton at Taste Creek, and. And I built a bunch of houses in the summertime and duplexes and things of that nature and had long, no money. <laughs> how long were you at Tate's Creek? Uh, 17, I think, 17 years. 17 years. Yeah. Learned a lot. Tell, tell me a little bit because I know him, but I want you to tell our listeners a little bit about the Roy Walton we all loved. <laughs> and well, players' fear. Oh, he loved him. I think all players loved him. You know, you go back to those, <clears throat> back to the Lafayette days when he was at Lafayette, and and some of those guys, the Bruce P. Rats, and and some of those guys of the world that uh, they love Walton. I tell you, he. Uh, we got we got to tell the listeners this story because Roy would want us to. The, which one? Roy would want us to about what happened at <laughs> Lafayette and how he was fortunate enough to restart his career when they built a new school at Tate Creek. Well, he had a good record at, at Lafayette, and he was a great coach, and they loved him. And and um, and um, he was they, competitive. They, he was competitive. He still, uh, you know, I, he's up there in heaven, probably coaching right now. I know <laughs> that guy. He he's he's tough, but he uh, uh, they were playing Danville in a playoff game, and and um, and uh, a kid got caught a pass, uh, Chuck Arnold, a kid from uh, from Danville, and. Um, all of a sudden, him and Walton collide. The kid's going down the sideline for a sure touchdown, and all of a sudden, Walton collides with him, and the ball goes up in there, you know, and they come out and call it a touchdown, and, you know, and, and penalize Roy, and he got a lot of bad publicity about it and all that. And so, um, but and he, uh, and he basically got fired. Yes. <laughs> and how long was he out of coaching until he went to Tate's Creek? Oh, heck, I think he went – he went over to to Jesse Clark and was a junior high coach and I mean teacher and, and coached over there and I think he helped a little bit there at Bryan Station and Doctor Potts uh, always loved it Roy and uh, Doctor Potts being a superintendent. oh he was superintendent yes he was superintendent of the Fayette County School System a wonderful man and uh, and he um, he came back uh, I talked to Roy and. And, and said he's putting him in the new school and take him out there at Tate's Creek. And, and, um, and had Walton, a wonderful career out there. Oh, yeah. Heck, yeah. He, during the 70s and 80s, Tate's Creek, they ruled football in, in Lexington. And um, it's, it's kind of, it seems like it's kind of lost a little bit now. But You're 17 years out there, and I guess somewhere in the, maybe the middle, the latter part of it, uh, you took up another profession. <laughs> A restaurant business. <laughs> no, 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 no. Refereeing, refereeing. Refereeing, yes. Yeah, yeah, the SEC. Okay, yeah. So tell me a little <clears throat> about, about that. And you, you had some other comrades from here in Lexington that was doing it with you. <clears throat> I think Jake Bale. Yeah, Dave Bear. Dave Bear. Yeah, Ken Cox. Ken Cox. Yeah. We had some uh, – uh, had, had a lot of fun. That was uh, that was really good. We started out in high school, and, and uh, we ended up in the SEC and, and – uh, and uh, and I, did, you know, did, did, loved it. Did you ever get to call any Kentucky games? I had a couple. I had two, some Kentucky games, but <clears throat> but uh, 
we had they had a they had a rule in the SAC. The conference had a rule that if you uh, played at a school or went to that college, you couldn't referee for them in any conference games. But you call non-conference. I call some non-conference games. Okay. I, I wasn't allowed to call any conference games, and and uh, the uh, uh, but uh, we sometimes uh, would would have to go over there on a snowy, rainy night with ice, so nobody get there, and some referees get hung up in the boondocks. You might have to go over and fill in until they get there, or or call the whole game. But uh, mostly, I uh, I. I didn't do it, and not only did I not do it, I didn't want to do it. Because you calling Kentucky. I didn't want to call Kentucky games because, you know, I got enough enemies out there as it is, and, and um, you know, you, you can't believe how people feel about you if they know you and you're a referee and, and you go to what – and you call something on some Kentucky game, and, you know, it's just uh, – it's hard feelings, you know. <laughs> Best game you ever called, you think you called. Best game I yeah. ever called. I mean, with a memorable game where a game maybe went into two overtimes or a particular place, particular team. Well, you know, I had some uh, I had some um, pretty good games here and there. I, you know, but uh, I guess the weirdest thing I ever happened is uh, I, I got <clears throat> what I was talking about a while ago. I went through uh, Nashville. I was on my way to a ball game and got ice storm and uh, decided I couldn't get, I couldn't move. My car wouldn't go. I'm stuck. So I called into the office and, and uh, they said, where are you? And, and so I'm saying, I'm in Nashville. So, so, um, um, anyway, they let, they, they got somebody else to go to that game. I think I was, might've been, forgot where it was. I was going, but, uh, so I, I decided that I'd go over to the Vandy game because I was in town there, and Vandy and LSU were playing. Just and, watch it. And just watch it, yeah. And I walked in the back door, and they said, hey, come on out here, really. You know, we need you. <laughs> I said, where are the guys? He said, they can't get here. I said, we gotta have, we got to get this game started. And I and there wasn't anybody but me. And that morning, I said, you want me to call this game by myself? He said, Yes. You called it by yourself. Well, I, I said, listen, you got to find somebody that can go out there and stand. I mean, you know, they found this high school kid that, you know, that coach had refereed a few high school games or junior high games. So I spent about 20 minutes going with him, telling him how to do his stand. So I had the, I had the game, my LSU game and, um, and Vandy game, and I had it as a knockdown drag out, and I had it. I, was call, I called everything. And this guy's – this poor kid, he, he hung in there, you know, but, uh, but, uh, at, the, at halftime, at halftime, the guys make it to the game. They could, they get to the game and I, I don't even remember who they were now, but <clears throat> Dale Brown wouldn't let, he didn't want to let them do it. He didn't want to change. He wanted me to just out there and call that it. That was going to be my next question was Dale Brown the coach. Oh, Dale Brown was coaching. He, he went, he was just, uh, he did not want to change that game. It was he leading at the half? Oh, I'm certain he was, yeah. <laughs> hey, and, but, but he, he just absolutely, uh, did not, uh, want him to change that. So they actually called the conference office and talked to the commissioner and, that, and, uh, and he said, yeah, go, we're going to, new crew, we got a whole crew. We're not going to go let a guy go out there and, by himself and call that game. But um, you know what was really funny about that thing? I never did get paid. <laughs> <laughs> I 
be, uh, the easiest, I don't know how I want to say this, the easiest or the best coach you ever worked a game for and then the worst? The worst? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of good ones. I like the good ones. You know, I love – I mean, I like Dale Brown myself. And But I think uh, probably the nicest was maybe Don DeVoe. And the 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 one that was the most unfair uh, was Norm Sloan. I mean, he – I think he uh, – I think I think he was pretty unfair. He just he he'd get after you, but but you know I just think um, I don't know. I I would pick that. I would pick him. How long did you referee? Oh, totally, about twenty years. But I had. Why did you finally give it up? Why? Yeah. Well, I can remember the night that I decided to do it. I was in um, I was laying in a hotel bed in. Starkville, Mississippi, on a rainy night. That sounds like a good place to make that decision. <laughs> and uh, and my son was twelve year old playing basketball, and uh, he was playing basketball uh, junior high. Or no, no, wait, there junior pro. Excuse me, he was about twelve, and he just he's down in Stokely Arena and wins the national junior pro free throw shooting championship. Sat down, there, had two hundred kids in there, and he was down there in the. Yeah, and you weren't there. And I'm in a dang hotel room in in Starkville and missed it. You know, he and he uh he uh he got on that um he got on that phone and uh, and I got a little choked up over it. So when I got home I said, <clears throat> Mary this is my last year. And she liked it because I was still teaching school and I was driving all night and everything I could to get to the games and all. But in my whole lifetime, I never cashed a check. And then they, those checks, for, and when you got up in that college, it was pretty good checks. And I'd throw them on the counter every night. And she, she'd she use them for Christmas and all those kind of things. And yeah. They come in handy. And so now you're she, talking about your refereeing checks. Yeah, my referee checks. And so she uh, she did she didn't want me to do that, but uh, but I, I I gave up and started going to you know uh, I got a chance to watch him play in football and basketball and all those sports, and that was why I did it. Along this line, somewhere when you were still at Tate's Creek, you become an entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we was through that little map there for a while. Was it first Shoney's? Yeah, well, I, I guess I was an entrepreneur before I knew what it meant. <laughs> uh, my first, my first uh, deal was uh, was uh, Shoney's, and uh, it was in Pikeville, Kentucky. And, and uh, I decided my kids, all three of them, turned out to be really great students, and they were they were making uh, unbelievable grades and so on. And I, I knew that I was going to have to put three kids to a really good school somewhere and and so I had to um figure I was trying to figure out a way to do that and so it just came down to I had to go do something and uh, and I I um and I gave up school and um teaching and, and coaching and all those things and and uh I went out and built a Shoney's and Shoney's restaurant I love Shoney's and um uh, Still love Shoney's. I still think it's one of the best restaurants in the world. And so, um, so I built that first Shoney's, and that that turned into twelve Shoney's, and about 
10 or 11 or 12 uh, Fazoli's. And, uh, and uh, after that, I, I, uh, I uh, <clears throat> decided I wanted to, I, I, I sold all of them, and then I, I decided I, I found this restaurant called uh, Cheddar's. And and so um, I went ahead and and took a shot at it and, and uh, talked uh, Steve Pottinger into coming on board with me. And uh, he gave up his uh, law profession. He's a lawyer in town and had great, you know. And so I talked him into coming on with me, and and he did, and and uh, we ended up building forty four of them, and, and we uh, sold them back to the company and. And uh, we're unemployed now. <laughs> what does the future hold for you? <laughs> I don't know, but uh, I'm um, I, I'm I'm looking at two or three things I've been thinking about a long time, and and You're I'm not going to join Brent Musburger in Vegas, are you? No, 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 no. I'm going to I'm going to uh, I'm going to I, I I believe I've got one left in me, and I'm going to, I'm. I'm I'm going to try to figure it out, but I'm not going to be in any hurry to do it. Most influential person in your life? <clears throat> well, I think, um, well, you know, Roy, uh, Roy Walton had to be one of the most influential people in my life. And, you know, uh, there's Buster Givens, and, uh, who was uh, head of Klingles Brick and Mortar Company down here. and. Uh, J.C. Riggs, who Riggs excavating, uh, Bill Guess, who owned a concrete company, and and uh, you know um, uh, Frank Sadler at lumber company. Those men, those men um, took a guy like me and uh, let me go in there and charge stuff that I didn't have any money, didn't have any construction loan. I built houses. I had eight or ten going on, and I'd pay them when I get the money. And looking back on it, all these years, I. I can't really understand, you know, how, what happened, how they let me get away with that, you know. I, I, I talked to Mr. Givens. He passed away not long ago, but I had lunch with him, and I said, now, Mr. Givens, you know, I had, I, I know I owe you $45,000, and I was making $5,000 a year teaching school, you know. And I mean, why would you let me do that? I, I've often wondered why. Why you would do that? He, he said. Well, he said I used to like to ride around and look at my jobs, you know, out there. And he said, he said one night I saw you out there finishing concrete driveway with your headlights, and it must have been ten or eleven o'clock at night. And I and I uh, I figured you was gonna you was gonna finish that house, and by golly, I thought you'd pay me. <laughs> What a guy. <laughs> You've touched a lot of people in your life where it's been from Shawnees, employees at Cheddar's, hundreds if not thousands of students at Tate Creek High School growing up. How would you like to be remembered by all those people that, whose lives you touched? <laughs> well, I hope that uh, when, I, uh, when I go out of here that... Um, Everybody thinks I'm an honest guy and and and, uh, and believes that I'm in a and a good person. I, I've uh, I've done my best. <laughs> I know I'm I'm in the fourth quarter. <laughs> Thanks, Phil. See ya. Thank you.
To listen to more conversations with Oscar Combs, go to oscarcombs.com and click on the podcast page. From there, you will have access to interviews with Larry Stamper, Kenny Walker, Coach Joe B. Hall, Jim Host, and many more. You can listen to Oscar 24-7 on your mobile device. You can find conversations on iTunes and the Google Play Store. Search for at Wildcat News and hit subscribe. Oscar's on Twitter, and you can get his thoughts on everything Big Blue and then some. Follow Oscar at Wildcat News. Thanks for listening. I'm Bo Robinson, and this has been Conversations with Oscar Combs.